going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another, the 300th episode of the Fantasy Golf Degenerators podcast. We do have a special guest coming up here later, but first, I am with everybody's favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambley. Tyler, what is up, my friend? A, a lot is going on, Kenny. I'm excited. It's episode 300. You talked about that. And then also, we've got a brand new sponsor. So I definitely want to talk about that. Usually this is where I tell you we're brought to this by this. This week, I'm going to tell you it's our new sponsor, and that's prizepicks.com. We're going to be with prizepicks.com going forward from today on. We got them all throughout the new season. Going to bring a whole new segment to you guys. So it's a lot more content for you. That's the good news. Nothing is changing from the old show. We're bringing you all the same stuff as always. Story time with Kenny, the course preview, the breakdown, the recap, going through the DK tiers, listener league, all of those things. But the biggest thing with this is just want to talk a little bit about the offerings. There's nothing up yet this week for the golf, but we do have all the other sports. So prizepicks.com, it's prop parlays, right? You're going to put together fantasy props with multiple guys. You can do two up to five. You can set it up for flex play, which is where you're just getting the, the number that you're picking correct. Two out of three or three out of four, four out of five, whatever it ends up being three out of five, or you can go to power play, which is where you need to hit them all five out of five, three out of three, whatever it is that you choose. When we get to the season with the actual picks, we'll have it set up for you where Kenny and I both give maybe one or two picks up front. And then as we get throughout the show, we'll come up with some more for you that you can put together, talk about how we're parlaying them, all of those factors. So like I said, again, it's more winnings, more parlays, more props for you guys. A lot of fun when it comes to that. And then if you guys haven't signed up yet, you can go over there. We do have a special promo code for you. It's promo code MMN, just like this network, Mayo Media Network. You guys can use that code on your first deposit. It's a hundred percent match up to your first hundred dollars. So put your hundred bucks on, have 200 to start with play the season with us, play small. And then if you want to keep going from there, you can, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a big season ahead, Kenny, but we've got even bigger news today too. We've got a big guest on the show. So why don't you bring our guest in, Kenny? Talk to us about who we've got for this week before we get into the recap of the BMW championship. All right. So for our three in this episode, we decided to bring back OG, triple OG, Bradley Messersmith. Brad, what is up, my friend? It's so good to have you back. It's so weird to see your face. What is on, going on, on my the screen? It's so strange. When me and Brad did the show together, if you guys don't know, Brad was uh, one of the original, maybe not original, he came about two months after we started. We started this pod the last week of December in 2015. Jesus, 2015, almost seven full years of doing this pod. And Brad was here for the first half. Uh, we brought him, it was me and Zach Woods who started the pod. Um, I was writing for Rick Rungood, Rick Gaiman at the time. And, uh, Zach was a Twitter follower of mine and, you know, I followed him and he was putting out golf information. And one day it was like, you know, do you want to do a podcast? I was like, sure. I never met the guy, never met, never met Zach, uh, you know, never met. And then two weeks, about two months later, we add Brad to the mix. So Brad came on right around the, uh, California swing. Uh, in 2016, and he was on all the way till about uh, the 2019-2020 season is when he stopped. So, so it, it was really nice. I, I love Brad. He's like a brother to me. It was great. Brad, how are you? Where have you been? What you been up to, man? What is going on, DJ Nation? It's been far too long, man. I missed you guys. Love you guys. Yeah, I. Uh, so I went and got my master's degree as promised. I uh, I went to IU and got my master's in business analytics. So cleared that out. Then since then, I've actually, I've gotten a couple promotions now. So I'm running a uh, manufacturing facility. 
So, you know, busy all the time, especially post COVID we're in the uh, vehicle market. So lots of people buying cars, um, just looking, you know, watching golf and just living the dream right now, you know? I quit right, drinking you, back in February. Oh, so, go ahead, wait, so that's wait, wait, what did you just say? What did you just say? I, I said I quit drinking back in February. So wow. that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I, uh, six months sober. So, and I lost 45 pounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I, just, I, 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 yeah. You look no great. Big deal. I, yeah, 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 yeah. You look great. Uh, congrats on, on being sober. I will say uh, uh, that's probably not in my repertoire. But <laughs> but I will say, you know, since, since I've had my little health scare, I've only I've cut my drinking back probably about you know two or three drink two or three times i drink a month now so i cut it back a lot well the only problem is you know it's me so i need some type of vice right so i've been smoking i've been doing a lot more pot a lot more weed okay now now, first off before i tell the rest of the story um marijuana legal in virginia legal i'm not breaking Mm -hmm. any laws okay now uh, i will say it's a different game like the, the weed game's a different game than it was back when like I was a kid. Like, you know, I'd go drive up to like P Street or Galveston in DC and pick up like a, a 20 sack from some guy on the corner and it'd be like half stems and half seeds. Some random you know guy. Saying? Yeah, yeah. It would be horrible, right? Uh, you know, and then now it's like every so you know what I've been what I've been using is I don't smoke it anymore, rarely. Um, it's concentrates and edibles. Uh, is basically where I've gone. And so these edibles nowadays, I got this thing, it's it's called a cannabis syrup. That's what I've been using. It's like a cough medicine bottle, right? Thousand milligrams of THC. And so like when, you know, you just take a little swig, but the thing is like these edibles nowadays, it's like you're getting high for the first time ever. Like again and again and again. That's why, like, do you remember the first time you got high? The first time I got high, I remember, I'll, I'll tell the story. I was... And of course, I'm telling these stories after Brad just says, you no, know, keep he's rolling. completely I love it. sober. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. I, okay. I, I want to hear more. <laughs> Sorry, Brad. Anytime <laughs> I can get Kenny on a rant, I'm all for it. Go for all it. right. So, so like, in the first time I got high, I was like, I was in ninth grade, like first couple of weeks of high school. I go into, uh, we leave school, school's over. We go to this apartment complex and like my buddy rolls like a joint with like McDonald's brown paper bag, like paper. Right. You know, back then this was like 94. So it probably had like asbestos and lead and shit all in that fucking, all in that paper. You know what I'm saying? Just carcinogens everywhere. Uh, and so, so he rolls it up. We smoke it behind his dumpster uh, in a, um, in uh, right behind the high school. And there was a McDonald's like walking distance. So I'm walking to McDonald's. First off, like I'm super stoned. I'm like mumbling to myself. Like everything like tastes like nickel, like a metallic taste. You, if you guys remember? So we get to the McDonald's and I get like a Big Mac, like 20 piece nuggets, double quarter pounded with cheese. Like I literally just crushed all this food. Like it was like a 20 feet now McDonald's challenge, but I actually finished it. You know what I'm saying? It was incredible. It was incredible. And so, but now like when you, when I take the, when I take this cough syrup stuff, uh, again, legal, not breaking any laws, uh, it literally feels like I'm getting high for the first time ever. And you remember, like, a lot of the times when you got high back in the days, like, it sort of got your creative juices flowing. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, this weekend, like, on Saturday, I knew you were going to be on the show, Brad. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I took a big old swig. I probably, you know, it takes me, like, four swigs to finish a bottle. So I guess I'm killing, like, 250 milligrams of THC every swig. 
that's a lot. Okay, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't, judge, I, don't judge. Yeah, don't judge. I, I like, I like. You know, if I'm gonna get high, I'm gonna get fucking high. High. You drink it out of a beaker too. High. What's up? I said, I you drink it out of a beaker too, and enjoy. No, it I just drink here. it straight out of the fucking bottle. <laughs> it's sitting right here. I'll bring it out. Maybe I'll drink it by the end of the show because I can't drink it during the show because I've tried that before. Again, Tony Fino. McDonald's challenge. I was stoned trying to make sure I can eat all those burgers and shit in time, which I didn't. But then what I didn't realize is the high was going to keep on going. And basically it was impossible for me to like say words. If you go back and look at that podcast, it was a fucking it was hard for me. Hard, hard disaster. Hard. Disaster yeah. all around. So, yeah. so I'm not so I, I'm not too many. think the people knew? I, I don't they, know. They knew. They, they probably they had to. They probably had to. Uh, anyways, so 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 I was on my couch. I drank like you know a bunch of this syrup, and, and like I the thing about it is like I come up with all these great ideas for the pod, all these great bits, all these great stories. The problem is like literally when I think of the story, if I think of anything else, I immediately forget what I was just thinking, and I can't remember at all. Like I can't remember at all. Uh, and so, so, so from now on, so what I'm going to do, because I mean, what I'm going to do from now on, because the creative juices are flowing, I had all these great bits. Like This, this show is going to be amazing. And I don't remember any of it. So the show's probably going to suck other than Brad. I apologize. But what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go ahead and get a little post-it note, a little post, a little journal, so I can write all these ideas down. And so be, be ready for this new season. I'm telling you, we're going to come with a lot of crazy stuff coming up because no, of, no it'd be better i'm cutting you go, off we need go to go, go we need to go we, we'll even expense it to the show we need to go voice recorder so that we can play that shit back on the episode <laughs> so the people can hear about your crazy ideas that you thought get were so a, good uh, and play them back ring, on the show before we ring video camera yeah That's i know something need, ring, i just put it on my phone just record you know what it, and i'll play it sell it as pay-per-view there you go yeah yeah uh, anyways anyway, i sort of went off topic here let's talk about <laughs> the, the beginning of our pod once again um, you know, the one thing Brad, and Tampa does it great too, but one thing Brad did, did amazing was bringing partnerships and, and sponsorships to our podcast. If you go back and look at who Brad put on our show, I mean, there was so, okay, so first off, draft. If you guys remember old draft.com, a lot of fun. People love that site. Got bought by FanDuel. No one knows what happened to it ever again. Well, they were, when, when they first started, we were one of their first shows that they, you know, had a, a sponsorship for. Uh, we had them for two years. They paid us really good. When I got that first check by a fucking draft.com, I was like, holy shit, you can make this much fucking money talking bullshit out your ass on a fucking podcast. It's incredible. Now, Brad, how did, so that's one that comes to mind. There are others like Fanshare Sports. Uh, th- those guys over there still going strong. When they first started, we, we were one of their first sponsors. Um, I know we used to work with the Fantasy Fanatics, Playco. Uh, all his stuff, he ended up getting bought out by Fantasy Labs. And there's more than this. Brad, how did you how did you do that business part? I mean, that was amazing uh, back then. And any other memories that you have uh, yeah. of the podcast from back in the day? Go ahead. Yeah, I, it's there's so many. Like you said, they just come flooding back. You know, I mean, what one well, of that's the good things... because I don't remember shit. So <laughs> go ahead and yeah. remind me right well, now, please. One of one of the things actually that's pretty cool is one of the if you guys remember the fantasy golf degenerates had a um, blog. blog for a while. Yeah, one of those guys won the Millie Maker, I think, in golf. Actually, wedge. He did. I don't know if you remember that. That was. I mean, I was so Knox, happy right? my son. Nate Knox. Uh, yeah, you're right. Nate Knox. Yeah. It wasn't wedge. Yeah, you're right. It was Nate Knox. Yeah, he wrote for the uh, for the blog for like 
four years, he's a millionaire because uh, yeah. of golf, you know, gambling. Well, it's un- you know, it's you know who else wrote for the blog? Eric Patterson, who yeah, works right. for the score, uh, you know, is, is, is a pretty well-known name out uh, in the industry now. Um, because I remember when I gave up writing on Rick Rungood's site and they needed somebody to do a course preview for his site, I suggested Eric. And Eric took over. And he started working with, um, with with Rick. And then now both of those guys are freaking huge now. And then Brad actually recommended Tambo. That's right. Uh, to, I to, feel to very lucky the, to be here. Yeah, Brad, that worked out okay, didn't it? I had yeah. no clue who the fuck Tambo was. Like, who the <laughs> fuck is toe-tagging Tambo? What the fuck kind of stupid-ass name is that? Tambo, I'm kidding. I'm loving you. But, I mean, you know, this is what you first think when you hear, you know, that. And I've been working with Brad for so long. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. Well, it fucking worked. I'm so glad to have Tambo. You prefaced the, the whole thing with everything Brad touches is gold, and Brad yeah. picked me, so it, it has worked out. Brad yeah. is the so, key I mean, to like, all of this. The, 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 the fingerprints of Brad are still, <laughs> you know, on on this podcast. Uh, oh, yeah. Any any stories? Any any anything you remember? See, I'm trying to remember when I started breaking out like the Cash Game Cornerstones. When I started breaking out the the story times, Kenny. I know I've, I told a few of those stories oh, uh, back then. Come so now, far. Yeah. The problem is. I can't find any of those pods anymore. Like the first like 150 pods that we've done, I have no oh, idea really? where they are. I have no idea where they are. No clue. Actually, I I told some people at one point that I was on this podcast and they didn't believe me. So, you know, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here I am, so, baby. It was yeah, real. Yeah. It was real. It was real. Yeah. All right. One of, the, um, uh, one of the other cool things I was thinking about was, do you remember? I mean, I think story time with Kenny started because our podcasts when we recorded them we'd record an hour and then you and me would talk for two like yeah. before and after yeah and we'd still be talking about golf yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be talking golf and players and what are you doing this week and that week and I mean we were up I, I remember because you would get off on second shift from uh when you were a, a waiter yeah. or at the restaurant right and uh it'd be 11 o'clock I could barely keep my eyes open we'd be talking golf till 4 a.m and I'd be working at 7.30 the next day. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's pretty impressive that she did it. Um, uh, Tam, anything to add? Or yeah, I, I want to ask Brad something for sure. I think this is huge. And like I said, like you mentioned, I, I ended up starting as a guest on this show with you, with both of you. So this is kind of awesome coming full circle. And now we're flipping it backwards, getting a 300 episode together. It's just incredible. Congrats, by the way. First off, Brad, all the stuff you talked about, you know, going sober, losing the weight. That's amazing stuff, man. Um, I wanted to ask you about this because – what you were always known for the most, I think, on this show was how good you were at pegging the ownership for the week, right? Like even on, on Monday, you were solid with having mm-hmm. it pegged down. Now, I'm sure if you've just paid you know, any attention over the last even two years at all, I, I'm not sure how much you've been in the streets, but it's now like it's the biggest thing of all time. It changes from Monday to Tuesday to mm-hmm. Wednesday to, to Thursday. It just It's nonstop throughout the week. So ha- have you stayed on top of it as far as you know, seeing how it's changed? And then what were you doing back then to, to come up with ownership? I'm just curious how much, even if you haven't paid attention yeah. now, that it's changed from what it's, you used to do process-wise back then to what you think is happening right now or we can fill in. Yeah, that's a fantastic question because really the way this happened was uh, DFS and golf was so new when we were starting this podcast. And I kind of started out my journey in DFS very different than a lot of other people because I was already very statistically oriented with my engineering and you know my background so I sort of went straight into the stats and I realized pretty quickly that the ownership was a big piece of the puzzle right Mm -hmm. 
And this was early enough where I don't think most of the masses had really figured this out. So part of why I even got on the podcast in the first place was because I won the quarter arcade and I was on Twitter or whatever and just mentioned it, I think, to Zach Woods or Kenny. And um, they were like, hey, come on as a guest. And we just all clicked. It was just, you know, magic out of the gate. So they were like, just keep coming on. And I won the quarter arcade like two or two or three times that year and then three or four more times after that and never really like ever wanted to go up into the high stakes or anything like that and didn't have enough money to want to risk it anyways. But the ownership thing just started as me wanting to be a better DFS player. And then pretty quickly, you know, the model that I created got a little bit better and a little bit better. That's part of why I partnered with Fanshare Sports because I knew how valuable their information was and their data. And sorry, I'm plugging them on your podcast, but no, 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 no. Um, I like those guys. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, it really was. Shows I mean, all the fucking time, bro. Yeah. We plug but, all this but, shit all the time. You know what, when, uh, when you ask about like the business side of the podcast and how that all developed, it really developed because I wanted to meet people in the industry and I wanted to meet people that were smart and doing good things. And when you, when you create relationships with those kind of people, it's real easy to see that you're going to go with them and you're, you know, you're going to develop those kind of key marquee relationships that help you along the way. And when you're, when you're willing to help other people, that's how it works. Typically, you know, it's a two-way street. So Mm -hmm. I kind of always started from a place of, you know, how can I learn from you? How can you learn from me? How can we work together to make each other stronger? And then you that's how we got where we were. Right. If we didn't didn't have Mayo's help, if we Mm -hmm. didn't have other people's help, uh, you know, uh, I mean, the one that comes to mind is Pat. You know, he, he yeah. had you on the show. He had me on the show back then in like mid 2016, you know, and mm-hmm. that's how we sort of got our base and our following and he helped us and it, it grew. And, you know, it, it, I think you were just returning the favor and uh, you don't see that as much nowadays yeah, in DFS. For sure. Back then the DFS streets were super friendly. It was, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like we were was, close. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody, was, like, there were super no friendly, everybody helping out everybody else. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a lot different now. It's a lot different now. Yeah, uh, but for sure. back then, it was, back then it was great. I mean, it was wonderful. It was the way running a business or running something like this should go. You develop great relationships, and those relationships help you grow and expand, and you know, get bigger and reach the masses. And that's exactly what happened. I, um, I think it's a know. great point. Like that, that's something I try and preach all the time because of the people that have done it for me. So even when I do the tidbits, the thread on Twitter every week, it's like try and bring it. There's so many great people out there doing content, putting it out for free, putting their time into it, and some of them are paid some of them aren't but they put that stuff out there for everybody to help them out it's like i think sometimes people think the space is you know sort of bigger than it is like they have to fight for this like it's still very small in the grand scheme of industries if you will we always talk about in this industry this industry is very small in comparison to other industries so really should be a little bit more friendly and just be willing to reach out like brad said network that's marketing but it's also you're building friendships relationships just stronger offerings so that when you have something that you need somebody's there to help you out and then you can pick them up they can pick you up type of thing so i I love that you've been doing it forever man that's incredible and as far as ownership goes the, the original question it's just crazy that back then like you said it sounds probably crazy to those listening that it really wasn't as big of a deal and now it's like the full focus the most important thing it really wasn't as big back then those that knew how to use it and go you know to their advantage like yourself that that was the key but it wasn't like it is talked about now there wasn't like before fanshare came out all those things like you mentioned other sites doing ownership it just wasn't as big of a deal and now it's everything yeah uh 
Yeah. yeah I mean, real, I, hey, real quick, Kenny, I, you mentioned Mayo. I want to, I want to mention, um, I think in a lot of ways we owe everything to Pat because yeah. in a lot of ways he was the one that was showing us that it was even possible to do what we were trying to do. And I feel like if Pat hadn't laid that groundwork, I mean, he was our, he set the bar for us. He was our biggest competitor, but he was also our biggest cheerleader at the same time. And when you think about how that community works within, that was sort of the way DFS was. Everybody just wanted same to see way, each other Even grow. the tour junkies, they, they, yeah. it was the tour junkies and Pat. They were the ones that were out before us. Uh, and then we were like the third one out. You know, and then now there's like, you know, 300, but, but like back then it wasn't that many. Uh, and everyone was friendly. I'm cool. We were cool with the tour junkies. Uh, we mentioned them on the show. Pat loved us. We, we were on shows together with the tour junkies, with Fantasy Golf Insider, all on Mayo's show, bringing everyone together. Uh, so yeah, 100% correct. I mean, Pat is the godfather. Uh, honored to work for him. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, Pat, you know, of course, he, he, he's, he's one of the best dudes out there. And he's, he's helped so many people, uh, you know, get by and, and move upwards in this industry. And it's still happening today. Uh, still today, he's doing the same shit, which is pretty incredible stuff for him. Brad, favorite guest. We used to have a lot of guests. Wow, that's a tough one. And we had, wow, some, we had, some, t- big, we had some big time guests back wow. then. Um, you know what? I know Actually, it's probably me, but I'm here. So say someone uh, different. Say someone different, right? Yeah, not Timo. I know who mine Timo is. started as a guest. I think of all of the ones, the one I think I, I liked the most because I learned the most was J686. If you guys remember that. I do. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That, yeah. J6. So here's what happened. Here's the backstory. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that don't understand or realize what happened. Uh, Brad, before, but, before you start the story, didn't you used to do one-on-one pods? as a yes. branch out for the I fantasy so, golf yeah. and i think you did one with j686 <laughs> yep. that's why we need to bring we need to find i think those right, first yeah. like 150 episodes they're like lost yeah. in the ether somewhere i have oh, no uh, idea where they're at because we've let me changed see. i'll see if i can dig those out actually yeah, that because would be a we've good changed, one to really listen to like you know uh uh pod things all, so often that you know when we transfer them over sometimes we might have lost them or something anyways keep yeah. going go ahead j686 okay so what happened was this guy, I think in the course of two straight weeks, won every fucking GPP there was. I mean, he, and with different lineups. So he won like from the $3 all the way up to the $300. He won every one of the major GPPs, the featured ones that had big prize pools. He won them all and they all had different lineups. And I was, I was like, I could not believe that this happened. And then the next week he did the same effing thing. And I, I mean, my mind was exploding at this point because for those obviously that play GPPs understand how, how impossibly difficult that is. And so I was like, nobody knows who, the, who is this guy? <laughs> so I look him up on Twitter and he's just starting to like, people are just starting to figure out who he is and, and realize how much of a sicko he is. So I'm like, get this guy on a podcast ASAP. <laughs> so I, I uh, reached out to him on Twitter. And I think, Kenny, you're right. I think we might have done a one-on-one just because I really wanted to freaking talk to the guy. And he walked us through. I, you, you were there, though. I'm sure you were. Because I remember you and I talking a lot about the strategy after the fact. But, mm. I mean, he, he talked very elegantly. The school of thought at the time was that you kind of just pile into a bunch of golfers, like, you know, eight or ten golfers 
And he very elegantly talked about having a player pool and having 35 people and 23 golfers and what the difference looks like and, and where, how he scales his ownership. And this guy was, I guess, um, some kind of market wizard and came out of finance, but he was very smart and really one of, I think the very, very early, early people to be figuring out really GPP strategy, the way we think of it today. And, um, to look back at that and think about like how lucky I was to just hit that guy up on Twitter and be able to talk to him and learn from him and stuff. You know, that's what this podcast is all about. It's about making your listeners and viewers better find those people. You know, you guys are, are great examples yourself too. These days. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Hey, let, <laughs> let me interject right quick because I love that story and full circle it right here. I don't know if Kenny's got more to add, but I can go back in my iPhone notes right here. January 17th, 2017. 114 a.m. Golf strategy with J686. And I've got like seven paragraphs where I was taking every note from <laughs> wow. that podcast, wow. listening wow. to it. And he talked about qualifiers, bankroll management, types of tournaments that matter, how many guys to play in your in your no-cut fields versus your regulars, like spreading out A B, like with A B in this lineup, B C in that lineup, mm -hmm. like se separating it. So that's crazy. When you think about it, it, just sparked in my mind when you brought when, yeah. when Kenny asked you who was your guest. I was thinking you were going to say him, and I had that saved from back then. So if you can find those pods, I can tell yeah. you it's right around I'll, that I'll time, somewhere back sure in 2017. We but might I have was to find them and re-release them. I was just, just a yeah, on our iTunes learning pod. from the pod, yeah. trying to get better. Because, I mean, we, because Brad used to do these discussion pods. That's, the word, that's yeah. what they were called. Yeah. It was one right. on one. It was either me and him and one other guest, and we wouldn't even talk about the field. We would talk about strategy for an hour. We wouldn't even talk about players. You know what I'm saying? And we had a, you had a bunch of those. We have to find those and bring those back. Yeah. Because I think, I think you could still learn from that. Even though the game's changed a little bit, I think you could still learn from those. Yeah. You need to bring that. Uh, my I favorite talk, guess, I, it was such ahead. a cool excuse to talk to cool people too. I mean, yeah, I talked yeah. to like fantasy the you know, not the champion. Uh, yeah, we have what RG notorious on. We yeah. Had Moose yeah. On. Tons and tons we of had uh, the fantasy golf Cardinal, guys. Yeah, yeah, tons the, of tons uh, of big guys. Yeah, yeah, it was so fun. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. All right, so enough nostalgia. All right, let's go ahead and talk about golf this week. First off, let's go over a little bit of strategy. Let's talk about this uh, event that's coming up. The tour Re recap, recap. But Ke oh, Patrick recap, Cantlay right. just See, won. I told you. I, I told you. I just yeah. forgot. I'm going to forget something. Recap last week. Cantlay won. Whoop de doo. I didn't have and he pissed me off. I had Xander and I had Morikawa who lost like 27 strokes on two holes on Saturday, on Sunday to screw me out of that. Uh, I wasn't too happy. Uh, now I will say casting cornerstones solid in cash. Once again, uh, that's how, you know, back in the day I made my bones. Uh, you know, we start, I started casting cornerstones by late 2016, early 2017. And then the 2018, 19 season came. Uh, and I was like, 83% made cut percentage on my cash game cornerstones for the year. I had won like 75% of the weeks that I played in cash. And that's what really brought me, uh, you know, at least my part of the pod. It, it had a good dynamic with Brad being the GPP guy and me being the cash guy. Now we're back on the same thing. Tambo, excellent GPP player. Me, I had a little bit of a lull. But now I think I'm coming back up when it comes to the cash. We're getting back in there. The last 10 weeks have been really fucking good uh and so my cash game cornerstones i think three of them were in the top 14 uh top 12 once again with a third place guy uh, and i had um Finau, who you know 
fucked up in the beginning, but yeah, 10, 11, 12, 13 birdies in the last three, three days to make up for it for a little other guys, you know, Scott Donnelly's playing really, really good golf. Like mm-hmm. the problem I've had with Scott Donnelly is in the beginning of this run about two months ago, I played him like, you know, two, three weeks in a row, four weeks in a row. I'm like this can't keep happening. You know, Scott Stallings, you know what I'm saying? He's a 7K golfer, 6K golfer. Uh, you know, he can't be keep going on this run. So I haven't played him in like a month and it's hurt. You know, I didn't play him last week, but he's been playing really, really good golf. Interesting at 7,200. Um, hey, did you watch the tournament last week, Brad? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was a what lot was of think? fun to watch. I mean, these these playoffs have been super exciting. It's so cool to see. I mean, Cantlay kind of, in my mind, sort of felt out a little bit like under-recognized for how good he's been all year. And you you come into these tournaments now. Originally with this format, I was really concerned. But now you've got 30 guys coming into this tournament and really coming out of last tournament where they're all clawing for that top 30. And they're all so freaking good now yeah. that – I mean, watching the end of any of these tournaments has been super exciting because everything's close. Everything, everybody's right there fighting for it. Yeah, I will say Wilmington Country Club, the superintendent there had some balls um, because you got to think, you know, this, this event rotates every year. So you never know if it's going to come back. Okay, and usually when these guys set up the courses and it's the first time they've ever played on the course, they want the course looking pristine. Like they want the visually, they want it to be green and lush and beautiful. And usually when that happens, it leads to easier scoring conditions. The, the, everything's soft. You know, they water everything every day. I mean, the guys over there went and said, fuck it. We're going to make this green purple and brown. Okay. And, and, and we're going to make it firm and, and lightning fast. And, and it's not going to look pretty on the TV, but it's going to make for good golf. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, I, if this course was soft, if this course was slow, dudes would be hitting, shooting 25, 27, just like they did last year, Case Valley. Maybe shooting 25, 27 under. These guys had the balls enough to make this course difficult and keep it difficult and not worry about the aesthetics of the course, even though this might be their only chance to showcase their course on TV ever, ever. And they decide to go this route instead of where everybody else goes, where they just make the course look pretty. And, and, and people score out the ass uh so kudos to the to the to the to the people who set up the course over there woman the woman to delaware i hope it goes back there i hope it looks the same what you think of the course table yeah i thought you just nailed it that was what i was gonna say actually is you know for what started the week not that excited of a course but you know just to see how it was gonna i play thought it was 22 2400 birdie yeah. fest whatever i was actually happier it went this way you know it's the sign of a good tournament when down the stretch you you actually don't know who's gonna take it home like you you didn't expect Stallings too, but like Cantley, Xander, Scotty, shit, Rory and Rom were making runs at it at one point. Rom from the clouds, by the way, didn't even show up at all on Thursday again, and then comes back and does his thing. But yeah, it was the the week of the flop leg, so not the best week for me. But Stallings, Scheffler, and Rory all in the top eight, second, third, eighth, where the week before they did not come through down in Memphis. So uh, I didn't care about that down in Memphis. I wanted them gone because that worked for me. I wasn't on the pod last week, but Memphis was incredible. But Coming back to this week was not the best for me. I had a oh, good. I forgot. How, it, was, it was a good week. It was a good time to eat some barbecue. What'd you do? Yeah, we, we ate we ate some good barbecue a couple times. We you know we got some. I, I talked about it on the uh, on another show. They asked me was it great. I, I said it was underwhelming it, it, to me. And people hate me for this, but that's okay. But like the, the ones that are from there, but it wasn't it didn't like blow me away. It was like wow, I need to go back there again right away to get that barbecue. Like it wasn't 
you know, the, the life-changing barbecue that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'd say that for now. We'll leave it at that. But a uh, great week overall. Got to see the best tournament ever that I've been to live of like the five or six that I've been to. It was definitely the yeah. best, not just because winning money, but, uh, you know, just that ending being right there with Willie Z, everything. It was an incredible time. But this past week, you know, Cantlay just got the job done again. From a DraftKings perspective, it was crazy to look back. I always do my reviews and stuff. It was right there. Like if you looked, Cantlay stalling or sorry, Cantlay X and Scheffler were like the three best 9K guys on projections on any, like anything you do that you look at basically for me, it would have, it, it made sense if you just went that balanced route, but there's just so many good guys up at the top and the course, whether it played hard or, or, to, you know, or easy, I thought that that would be the guys that find their way up. Rom almost did Rory almost did, but it wasn't enough. And so that balanced build. And then I got the Lucas Herbert call, right? That was the one, you know, on Mayo's show, I kept bringing up. People were like, why the fuck do you like this guy? And I was like, I just, I just thought it was a good setup for him. I like the price. I like that. He was a hundred bucks more than Kitty and list and Kitty still did his thing. He was okay. But like Herbert looked really good to me. So that was solid. And, you know, just excited for this week. It's a, an event that people leave behind. We're going to get to it, but in general, this event is still an opportunity. I posted on Twitter today, Kenny, we're going to talk strategy anyway. So it's a good segue, but everything I heard the last couple of days, even over the weekend, when people were losing their sweats in the no cut, they're like, Oh, I'm not even looking forward to next week. I'm just going to shut it down. It's just going to be a hundred way chop at the top 30 man field, blah, blah, blah. Well, last year, Rick, Rick Gaiman, we talked about it earlier, he, him earlier. He posted, he posted the optimal. I went look back and looked, it was 49, eight. So almost full salary utilization. And it had three guys over 30%. Our guy, Skyhook, Skyler Hope, Skyhook DFS. He posted that up. I looked three guys over 30%. Only one guy, uh, I think at 10 or 11% was like the yeah. lowest owned and still no single only digits, two dupes. Yeah. Yeah. So only two dupes. There's, there's ways to get different here. There's ways to be unique. That lineup, for example, skipped a bunch of ranges. I don't think it had a, a 10K and a 7K or a like it had like one six K, but either way, I'm just saying there's definitely some fun this week and there's still huge contests out there. So I'm excited to get into it and talk more strategy, but what do you got? What do you want to go? All right, let's go. Let's go strategy first before I go into this thing. Now, what I'm thinking is that lineup last year was superstars and scrubs, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if that was the popular way to go about it last year. I don't, I don't, I don't remember, but this year, just looking at this, you know, looking at the field and their pricing, it seems like it screams stars and scrubs to me, especially if you got wise down below, you got Tagala down cheap. You got Adam Scott down cheap. There's cheap plays, you know, that you can easily play and fit. And I think, you know, that type of three, you know, elite golfers, three scrubs is going to be a very popular way to go more popular than balanced. In my opinion, what do you think, Brad, Brad, I was, Tambo? that was my same strategy bullet point, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not so, so, exactly. Yeah. So, so, I mean, so, so, so balance, I think here's the thing: people are going to look down that list and they're going to see speed, uh, and they're and they're just going to click. I think I I don't know. I mean, the ownership or Morikawa at seven nine. Or you know? yeah, Morikawa is going to be very very popular. Yeah. I agree. But the, the point though is that there's those names down there. People are just going to naturally see that number so, next to their name. So 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 you think it's going to be more balanced or more stars and scrubs this week? I think right. most people are going to pick stars and scrubs because okay. they're, going so here's, here, here's yeah, the thing. they're going to see a name that they can yeah. stomach at 5k probably when, when it comes down to, um, you know, leaving money under the table. I think if you go stars and scrubs, I think you have to leave more under the table to be, have a better chance of being unique. I think if you go balanced, since not as many people are going that route, you can go a little bit less, 
you know, not, not go too much under the cap. Does that make sense to you, Tambo? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I mean, it's pretty, that's good. I, I think that's the idea. Like you're saying, if you're going to do that, you're going to go with the same route that everyone else is going. Then you got to decide either to use really contrarian guys within yes. that route or leave more money on the table. If you yes. go the other way, you can of course be a little bit more chalky, but uh-huh. uh, I think there's an elephant in the room that we got to talk about. It's not a big elephant. It's a baby. But if we just talk about this first, there is something that ties in not only the event, but the strategy that we're talking about here with stars and scrubs. And that is that Will Zalatoris WD'd from the event during the event, after getting all stretched out and bent up there, we'll have to see, but back in hip, like everyone's like, there's no way. Uh, My understanding of the rules is as long as he qualifies for the FedEx cup finals, he gets the money. It's not like a WGC where he must hit one shot from a sponsor to get it. I, I understand that. And I think, People forget, like, of course he wants to go out and play. He's near the top of the board. There's 18 million this year up top for that. And if he can play and he's healthy, and I hope he is, that's what we want to see. But we will have to wait and see. He's not a very super public guy. He's not on Twitter heavily. He's not on Instagram heavily. It's usually for promotion sponsors, things like that. I couldn't find anything today. Uh, I think his health is number one, and it looked pretty bad. So we'll, we, we will have to wait on him. The reason I said a baby elephant is because the other guy is Cam Smith. Uh, I think... I don't know. Uh, going back to that one right quick, not to get into a whole separate discussion here, but when I was at the event in Memphis, even on Saturday, I said this last week on the Run Pure show, but he actually was stretching his hip out on Saturday. I remember one of the guys in the DK tent being like, stretch it out, Cam. And he was going back and forth. Like the hip looked to be bothering him a little bit then. So I believe it could be real. And he's just, it, why not take the extra week for him to fall back a few strokes going into this week? It, it's not a game changer where he can't get into the mix. Like Kevin Na shot 266s and 267s last year in this thing to tie Rom for the win of the event without starting strokes. So, you know what I mean? Like there's an opportunity for a guy like Cam Smith. He's still way up the board. But the reason I brought that up, Kenny, not to go on a tangent, is just Will Zalatoris is 11-5. Cam Smith is 10-4. So when you go stars and scrubs, you already know who the lowest stars are going to be, assuming they play. I'm going with Willie is going to play, assuming he's maybe it was just a tweak and he got his service this week and he's good to go to be able to to get in good shape to play again, hopefully. But assuming they both play, they still are going to be the lowest owned. So then you've got to think last year, Cantlay was 13,400 and he was only 12% owned coming off the win. This year he's 13,000 coming off the win, but everyone like, I think people like Scotty more than Cantley. I, I just, I, if they're going up there, so you got to think Scotty and then, you know, Rom and Rory are getting the ownership. Like they're just Rory's too cheap. Rom is too good. Everyone just saw it three, three out of four days. And he's still in the mix and he scores and he won the event without starting strokes last year here. Like there, there's just so many things for these guys here. So I think, what are your thoughts on that, Kenny? And then you can go to Brad, but like, I think Scheffler, Rom, Rory, and then you got to remember a little bit on Xander because I'm not full course history guy here, but third, first, second, seventh, first, taking away staggered and, and all that stuff. That's his technical results at this course. So he absolutely crushes at Eastlake. So, so what are your thoughts on just those four guys up top? Yeah. Rom Rory would probably be a two highest on. I think Xander would be third. Yeah. I think Xander, I think yeah. Xander will be third highest yeah. on in this group. Uh, the, you know, and we're jumping ahead before, but I mean, yeah, that that's what I see here, but I like your point. I mean, if you're going to go stars and scrubs and you have a Willie Z or you have a Cam Smith on there, well, then maybe you don't need to go too far down uh, in salary to be, you know, to not get duped. You yeah, know, you'll it, already have it. And, and I mean, I don't, I'm not sure, Brad, how far you looked into this, but just going, going back to your roots, the ownership stuff here, I actually think Kenny might be right. I definitely think it's, I mean, I, I almost know it's Rom Rory today, yeah. just coming in here. It's, it's not going to change. It's whatever it ends up being, but how do you see ownership 
shaking out, not even getting into the tiers yet. Just how, how do you see it shaking out up top being that we're talking strategy wise stars and scrubs? Yeah, I think you nailed the two guys. Ram and Rory are for sure going to be the ones that people go after. Now, I think actually Xander might be an interesting piece, though. If you are going to go stars and scrubs, you're kind of looking at like the Cantleys and the Xanders of the world that might go overlooked, especially Cantley coming off a win. People tend not to want to roster that guy. And Cantley was like the fifth or sixth lowest owned last year. Andy's been there and done that with these wins. So it's not like he's going to come off a hangover or anything, you know, too crazy like that. He's going to go after this FedEx cup. So I kind of, I kind of think there could be a stars and scrubs build mixed in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, what's going to be popular. Let's uh, let me One go other on. Thing, like, quick Kenny too on that is like, you bet you mentioned about uh, Cantley last year, just in pricing in general, just going back to last week, we literally just talked about what the nuts lineups had last week. It was Scotty Cantley and X, which the difference is the funny part of this, the way this works is obviously that propels them up the FedEx cup leaderboard. So now they become your top three highest price. So last yeah. week where people did play a lot of Rams or sorry, Rom Xander or Rom Scheffler or whatever it might be. Now you're flipping it where it's, are you going to play Xander Rom? Because Xander is more expensive now, just even though it's the same two dudes or Scheffler Rom, it feels so funny going the opposite way with it. So again, I think how the general public will think they're not always willing to start that way and then skip over as much as we're talking about. That'll be a popular route. There is a lot of big names through the middle that I think are going to get sprinkled. So that that's another thing to note just with general strategy. All right. Uh, I got some more questions, but let's wait till the tiers because it sort of revolves around the tier. Let's go ahead and let's talk a little bit about this event, the final event of the PGA season. Upon us is the top 30 golfers uh, in the FedEx Cup point list. Head to Eastlake uh, Golf Course Golf Club in Atlanta for the Tour Championship. Three years ago, the tournament changed uh, when it came to scoring. The FedEx <laughs> Cup leader, Scheffler, now starts the event at minus 10, and every other golfer will have between a two uh, to 10 stroke disadvantage on the leader, depending on where they're ranked in the FedEx Cup standings coming into the event. Now, it seems like the guys way down the board will have no chance to catch the leaders uh, with the staggered scoring. But in 2020, we saw Xander jump from minus four prior to the first round to holding the lead after the first round. If you guys remember that, he was six strokes behind the leader after round one and ended round one in the lead. Okay. In 2019, we saw Cantley start at minus eight, uh, and he finished almost dead fucking last at plus one for the four, after the four rounds. So movements like that can't happen. Now, you know, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility uh, that someone can, you know, can take this down, uh, you know, that are lower, that are lower uh, score. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, since this is a 30-man event, uh, no cut, you know, and the scoring system is unusual. Okay, I'm going to skip this part. This is all the strategy stuff that I just talked about earlier. So let me go skip that, and we'll go ahead straight to the golf course. Uh, East Lake Golf Course, 7,400-yard plus par 70, four par threes, two par fives. Both the par fives are reachable, but the prevailing wind shifts. The 600-yard par five, 18th, will be tough to reach by shorter hitters. Usually the wind is at the golfer's back on that hole, so it doesn't play quite as long as the 600-yard suggests. Uh, the par threes here at East Lake, really difficult. All four routinely end up as four of the nine most difficult holes on the course. Three of them play over 200 yards, and the fourth is around 193. Five of the par fours 
are over 450 yards, another five between 400 and 450, and two are under 400. The course is originally designed by Donald Ross, but Reese Jones redesigned the course in 1994. The greens were switched from bank grass to Bermuda in 2007. Uh, East Lake switched the nines a couple of years ago, and they're doing so, and they're keeping it the same. They're going to switch it again. Uh, you know, the round ends now ends on a 600-yard par five instead of a difficult par three. When it ended on a par three, that was horrible. At least now it ends on a par five. You know, it leaves some 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 drama uh, when it comes down to it. Uh, the last four holes are now going to make, you know, the final stretch a little bit more challenging. The 15th hole, long par three with Peninsula Green. The prevailing wind usually blows towards the water, and there's a huge bailout bunker on the left. If golfers hit it in this bunker, they're going to have a difficult shot as the green slopes away from them towards the water. The 16th hole has been lengthened recently. Golfers have to deal with a blind approach shot onto a large, multi-tiered, and heavily sloped green. A 17th is one of the few holes on the course with major dog leg, and it was also lengthened here a few years ago. And, of course, that long par 5 18th, where you're going to see a lot of birds and eagles, but a big number is possible as well. I mean, a few years ago, I think five years ago, uh, we saw Rory hole out for Eagle on 16 and Chapel having a birdie putt for the win on 18. So a lot of crazy stuff can happen um, on, on those last few holes. Now, off the tee, golfers are going to see tree-line fairways narrow uh, in with large fairway bunkers in play on the landing zones. The rough, two and a half to three inches tall, but it's very thick. So hitting fairways is going to be important. Uh, golfers need to hit certain spots below the hole on the greens to have realistic birdie chances and hitting it in the rough off the tee will make this a lot more difficult. Uh, the numbers show this is less than 50% of approaches from the rough land on the green. Now, this doesn't mean driver is left in the bag here. Many golfers still use the big dog off the tee, so fairways are definitely going to be missed. If golfers struggle off the tee, a solid short game is going to be useful. Now, on approach shots, golfers are going to see a wide array of different green sizes. Uh, the larger greens will be multi-tiered with a lot of slope. The smaller greens won't be tiered, but they will have a lot of slope from back to front. Some of the small greens will be sloped from back left to front right and, right and vice versa, which will make putting and chipping a lot more difficult. Uh, greenside bunkers will be in play on most holes, with the majority of them guarding the very front of the greens. These Bermuda gas greens are a main defense of the course. They should play firm and fast, stip meter rating of over 12. Since these greens are so tough to chip and putt on, I think this makes this an approach shot putting contest. And of course, if the greens are going to be missed, you're going to have that short game in there too. Golfers are going to need to hit a ton of greens and they must be prepared to hit putts with a lot of break and a lot of speed. Brad, so this is a course that, you know, we went over three or four times uh, while on the pod, while we did the pod together. What are your takes on the course? What are you looking for from golfers? Yeah, we're firing on all cylinders, buddy. You nailed it. Uh, green and regulation, anything irons, basically, all second shot course. So you're looking for strokes gained approach. Green and regulation is the one I'm looking at the most, but either work. Um, really, that's the biggest thing. And then the Bermuda putting. I mean, we're looking for guys that, at least can be competent on this putting surface. Otherwise they're fighting an uphill battle as it is. Brad, what are you looking for? Um, Tambo. Sorry. I was like, Tambo, my bad. Huh? He's not used to this. <laughs> Kenny is, uh, Kenny, Kenny's hitting the bottle over there. I think in wow. between, but 
I uh, I'm with Brad. I'm with Brad. I'm so about to hit it. That part, right? I, I love the greens and regulation call. Just I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but when you have that, it just encapsulates everything else anyway, right? Like if, you, if you're not hitting a lot of greens, it means everything else is going wrong for you off the tee, off the, you know, you're, if you're going in the water, you can't have greens and regulation. If you're going uh, in the woods, you can't have that. So all that matters. Tee to green in general as a whole here is always, it's just a, you need everything. And then for me, just way more than stats or course history, anything course history is another one that it matters a lot more here. It's, it's crushed in the past. So that's a nice tiebreaker. If you want to go that route with some lineups, you can, but my biggest focus will be, and we'll talk about it when we get through these tiers, Kenny, is more on the game theory, the strategy, roster construction, just ways to get unique without being stupid, the way I always try and put it, right? Like people, oh, if I just leave five grand on the table in every lineup, I'm going to have the most uniques, probably, but they're probably all shitty lineups. Like there's no guarantee you've got the winner in there. So, uh, you know, there's no, no guarantee either way. I shouldn't say it like that. My point is when people do that, to me, it's like, obvi- it's not surprising that you have a bunch of uniques when you left five grand on the table. It's how did you build them? Who did you put in them? What do they look like? Is there, you know, even a chance that they've got upside in them built in that way? Because a lot of cases you're leaving some huge points and potential on the table, especially in something like this with the the finishing positions and stuff like that. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on that the most this week, Kenny. All right. Before we get into these tiers, I did miss one strategy thing. I'm not playing cash this week. No cash game cornerstones. Let me go ahead and explain this. Uh, I wrote this in my article here. All right, so personally, I'll be playing no cash games due to the fact that missing out on one high-owned golfer who does very well will make it very difficult to to cash. Ownership for every golfer in cash games will be inflated due to the smaller field and the usual higher-owned golfers in cash games that are normally around 30 35% owned will be close to 50% owned or more uh, this week. So let's say Rory is the highest-owned golfer this week in cash games at 60%. If you don't roster him, and he ends up winning, it'll be very difficult to cash this week. Now, if you do roster him and he wins, the advantage you get in a normal tournament when you roster the winner in cash will be a lot less than usual. I'm going to be playing GPPs only. I'll probably play like 50 GPP lineups. And that's how I'll go. So let's get to these tiers. Wait, let's start Kenny, off on this. You read, that statement. you read that statement like a corporate guy that got in trouble just now. Yeah, I know, right? I, know, I, know. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> we, I know, I know, I know people are going to be like, what happened to the cash game cornerstones? And if I didn't say that part, uh, people will be asking me that all week. And I don't feel like answering that question 875 times. So there you go. No cash game cornerstones this week. No cash. I could change my mind. It's Monday, but right now, as of Monday, I'm not playing cash. Like I, I, I sort of want to just because I've been playing so well, but I'm not gonna. No, I'm probably not gonna do it. We'll see though. I'll check Cubs Corner on Wednesday if I have my cash game corner stuff. All right, 10K range. We're going Cam Smith all the way up to Scotty Scheffler. Now, first, we we talked about this range a little bit. Question I have for you guys, gentlemen. Rory Rahm, 35% on each. Are we still playing him? My answer is yes. What about you guys? Go ahead, Brad. Uh, I like Rory better than Rom, but the price is pretty attractive. You think they're going to be the same ownership? Or you? Th- I'm thinking they're going to be close. close. They're going to be a okay. too high zone, and they're both going to th- be over thirty percent off. Yeah, I I think if if they're both similar ownership, I'm probably not playing a ton of either of them in this situation. But if I am, I'm playing probably Rom just to go with that sort of balanced approach try and get some uh i can understand the thing is these guys are playing so well that i think this is the type of chalk that i I have no problem eating what about you tambo yeah i think uh, brad laid it out pretty nice there like you know not really interested in a ton of either of them i think the ownership will shake out 
uh, a little bit more Rory. So I've got it right now early, but I'm looking like if it's 37 Rory, 30 Rom is kind of what I was thinking coming in. I also think they will be a very popular pairing that you can just start with that. Get Willie yeah. C out of there. Cause people already know that. And look, people will play Scotty can't lay X, even in the twenties. I'm just saying uh, mid twenties, high 20, whatever, but how many people will just play Rom Rory? I think a lot more if you were looking at the stacks or the combos after the fact on Fantasy Labs or something like that. You talked to a Playco earlier where that's your had sort of the stack thing. You could look it up and see how many people play Rom Rory together. I think that'll be a popular pairing. I prefer Rory over Rom actually, even though, uh, you know, just the way it sets up, he just looks better. But I, I did bet Rom. I'm just a sucker for it. And everything he did last week just pulls me back in. I've been playing him all season. So uh, the thing I really like here, though, Kenny, is at the top. It's Scotty, it's Cantlay, it's X. Like to me, I think there's a possibility they're what I would consider under-owned in the sense that they're already up there. They have the upside to do it. They don't make a bunch of mistakes. We saw last year people were willing to get off the previous winner like Cantlay or the highest price guy, which both happened to be him last year. But I think you could see that in Scheffler and Cantlay for sure because X will get some based on the course history. Like I said, I still think it's tough in people's mind to build like an X-ROM lineup because it's they just had it the other way last week, so now they feel like they're overpaying for X, even though it's just the way the pricing shakes out. It's completely different pricing. We have $1,000 less on the minimum guy. You can go right down to 5000 all these different things. So I've got a lot of interest up top. Scotty, for sure, uh, 13-6. It definitely sets up well for him. I think we're going we're gonna to see a possibility that he ends up just doing the getting the job done and finishing the year, putting a stamp on the player of the year on top of, taking home another 18 million bucks to, to him and Meredith. So I think there's definitely a possibility of that. And then Cantlay will just be the same as always. Kenny, what, what happened last week? He won. What does that mean? Can't play him this week. Obviously it sets up well for him. So I think if everyone is going to Rom Rory, uh, you know, without having to get too cute, even though Zal Torres, if he's healthy, should be a great play, but we have to wait and see what happens there. I still like the two guys up top, Scotty and Cantlay. And then you could make an argument that even though it's way more expensive, X could be better on paper, but but Ram and Rory with the the history and the price discount is where it kind of cancels X out a little bit. So Scotty and Cantley would be my two favorite here right now up top. Xander's my favorite play uh, in this range. Uh, I like Xander. I mean, think about it. He's like one of the best in par threes over 200 yards, one of the best in par fives over 600 yards. There's going to be four of those holes per round, 16 holes in the event where he's going to have a slight edge on the rest of the field. Some, 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 and for some players will have a larger edge uh, on those holes who, who play poorly on that, but he's going to have an edge over everybody on those 16 holes that he plays uh, this week. It's what, like uh, almost a quarter of the holes. He's going to have a small edge, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because he's the best from 600 plus five par fives, the best on 200 plus par threes. So uh, I like him and the way he's been playing, you know, you know, we can win. This is his, he said it, his favorite course. Now you always, this is a Brad, Brad quote. You always take that with a grain of salt, but uh, <laughs> uh, I would say Brad must've said that like 877 times in the 150 podcasts that we did together or, or just about, I'm pretty sure he said that about 900 times. So well, I look like Brad, a broadcaster to you. Uh, I'm not a broadcaster. I'm a so, podcaster. So, 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 on, so take that with a grain of salt. And I yeah. forgot what I'm taking a grain of salt for. Someone remind me. That's the, how the my short term factor though. Yeah, yeah. The, the Xander stuff. Have you been watching him too? Some of these shots, like uh, you could, 
Re- nickname, new nickname for him, Xander Sosley, because the guy has some sauce coming out of those bunkers. Some of the you know, hold up for Eagle again. It just looks good. And when he places it up there, the little spin back that he's got on every shot, where even like the best, like the top you know players and things like that that are talking about him are saying like that's just a shot not everybody has in their arsenal that he's able to pull it off. So uh, I definitely got interest in that. I like that call quite a bit actually, and I love. The thing Brad just brought up. I'm not a broadcaster. I'm a podcaster. Podcaster. Now, that, now, that's the, such a good one. That I forgot. That's such a good one. Go go ahead. The one thing I will say is when I was trying, I, I tried to come up with some casket corners on today. I was like, fuck it. I'm gonna play cast. I'm I'm on a hot streak. I'm gonna keep going. And so I wanted to start with Xander. I want to start Xander Roar. It was how I wanted to start. And then I tried to fill out the rest of my cast lineup and it just didn't fucking work. Okay. But then I went, Rob Roy. Shit looked pretty good. After that, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. No, no, that's not my point. That's not my point. That's not my point. My point is, I automatically go to Roy Rom next, and the lineups look a lot better. You know what I'm saying? And people are going to see that same thing when they're making their GPP lineups. They're going to see that same thing making their GPP lineups. If you want to go Xander or or Scheffler and and Rom or Rory, that's just hard. I mean, you got to go way down below, and you got to have like two guys in the 5k and one guy in the 6k basically or you know and then because i want another guy in the 9k range you know because i want three of these studs right and so really hard to do that but when you do roy rom really easy to do that so that, that that's going to show you where that that's why i think you're right the majority of ownerships yeah. going to go to roy rom i got no problem with playing that chalk but my favorite play is Andrew. let's move on to this 9k range uh only about five guys here I'll go first. Uh, I want to pick Sam Burns because he's one of the best Bermuda putters out there. I think he might go a little bit low on, but I like Finau again. I'm, I, I just want to go. His course history is not great. Okay. Course history, not great at this event coming off probably his worst tournament in a while. I'm hoping his ownership goes down maybe 18%. You know, 18% is like average for this week. Just remember that everything's relative when you're going ownership on an event like this. So he's about probably 18% somewhere around there. I take him, but I want to play Burns, but I, my favorite play is going to be Fina. Tambo. Yeah. But a little tidbit, the, the, the uh, 2015 Eastlake cup played here. LSU beats Georgia with the two guys facing off against each other. Sam Burns takes down Sepp Straka. Back then, uh, you know, that's no. just a little, little extra nugget, but I, I Giuseppe love Straka. We'll talk about him. We're going to talk about him. For We're going to sure. talk exactly. about Giuseppe. You know? Giuseppe. Uh, I, so, I think Burns is definitely interesting because when you look here, you've got Finau and JT who, you know, JT is going to, you know, speak for himself when we get to a fourth, third, ninth, seventh, second, sixth, again, take the staggered out of it. It's just how well he's done at this course last week, a, a huge disappointment. I actually didn't talk a lot about that from last week. The guy came out hot out of the gate and then had a birdie free round, not a bogey free round that we love to have on DraftKings, a birdie free round. I believe he made eight birdies over the final two rounds, maybe less. Actually, I might be way off. Whereas KH Lee made like seven on Sunday alone with that, with the toughest conditions in those places. Well, well, here's the thing about JT last week. He was, he was four under. Okay. And he had just gone on a stretch with 30 holes without a birdie. Going, going over three rounds. You and rounds. I did talk about this. We both yeah. tweeted it, yes. Going over three rounds. And then I was like, how is he only four strokes back yeah. without a birdie? And then I tweeted that, 
and then he bogeyed four of his next five holes. Yeah, and I had tweeted it like two holes before you. That's why I put the Spider-Man GIF. I said, like, we're the same dude. I was wondering what the hell you were talking about. Yeah, I saw that. I saw the Spider-Man GIF. I was tilting him big time, but it was insane to me because what had happened was on the Thursday round, remember, after he crushed Thursday, like, by the way, JT got this new putter and this new length and all this, and everyone's like, oh, I wish I had had that information now. And then you didn't want that information because he literally had a birdie free round. And then the next day uh, started off the same slow pace. Like it was just took forever for him to find birdies out there. But I digress. I think two things, one JT, two guys, I should say one, not in this range, but when he, we're almost to 7,900, but JT and Morikawa, Brad can chime in here in a second. It's a good segue ownership guru, but I think they get forgiven. I think no matter about JT and what he did last week, and then of yeah, course they're going to be rostered. Morikawa no for the ten twenty-five Sunday, plus people just write off one hole. So twenty-five to thirty percent. I think both Morikawa. those guys get ownership here. I like Burns. I like Sung J M. I like Cam Young. Actually, he's a guy that I'm hoping for some flop. Like we've been waiting for this Cam Young sixty-four that everyone keeps talking about for like two and a half weeks now, and it hasn't happened. He was still in the mix last week. He's another guy that just never came through. I'm pulling it up right quick here now, but uh, you know. 67 68 hot start you're feeling good we all bet him last week i know everybody did it was another everybody bet bet. and then what ends up happening the weekend is like what it was a 72 72 it's not like he fell apart it wasn't the 82 or 84 whatever it was at memorial so i think he's got big upside and i should note just one last strategy piece here kenny is like and i like hovland i like neiman i'll keep i'll just name a few but the point is i don't give a shit to be honest where they start on the leaderboard I think that's the thing that's, you know, the other thing we didn't talk about enough in our strategy piece, like when people are building their lineup, they're going to also be looking at it like, yeah, but those two can get up here. If you're playing these guys, you're assuming they're going to crush and the ones that are in there are going to find. I'm not going to play six guys from the dead bottom of the board, but my point is I don't care about where they start. If they're four under, great. They can find their way up there. We literally talked about it already, but Kevin, nah, Kevin, nah. Shot two sixty sixes and two sixty sevens last year, like from from the clouds himself. It not everyone's going to do that. There's only thirty guys in the field as of now. But my point is, a lot of these guys are capable. So I, I don't care about that stuff. And that's how I'm going to look to build my roster. So Burns, JT, M, Young, Hovland. Those are sort of some of the ones that stand out there for me. Brad, what what do you got in this range? What are your thoughts on some of the ownership too? Just that we talked about already. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some overlap with you guys for sure. Uh, I like JT and I like uh, Sun JM JT. So I kind of think, actually think Finau is going to eat up some ownership with uh, his recent wins. I I don't know what you guys think, but I, I think he'll attract some. And I kind of think that that means I really like eating JT as chalk. If JT is like anything under 20%, I'm probably just going to take him. It's like an automatic top 10. It feels like now that I said that we all know where he's going to finish, but I mean, realistically, he's one of the most consistent golfers on tour, and he's done it here so many times that it's hard to imagine if he's anything under 20%, not just clicking that button and being okay with it. And that's probably, if that's the case, that's probably where I'm starting a lot of my builds is with JT and Sungjae. All right, before we move to this next range, one more thing about strategy. I know you talked about uh, you know not paying attention to where they are on the leaderboard. I totally agree with that. I came up with a few uh, you know, Cantley dropping down from 800 to plus one one year. And then, of course, Xander going from minus four to the first round leader. So that's right out of change. the gate. Exactly. Yeah, right out of the gate, first round. Now, mm-hmm. you know, one thing that we did forget to mention was the points that they're all going to get, you know, just to start. And I don't think you should pay attention to that either. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you know, 
it's not going to be hard to make up that ground. So say like uh, Cantlay, uh, why is it 17 points behind Cantlay to start this event? Okay. So Cantlay has 20 points without even hitting a shot. Wise has three points without even hitting a shot to make up that 17 point difference. All it takes for wise to catch up to Cantlay is for Cantlay to fail the fall back to fourth place. Right. And wise to have one more three birdie streak bonus. Uh, you know, one, not Cantley, I'm sorry, Scheffler. Uh, you know, it takes, you You know, okay, let me start this over. I'm confused again. My bad. Uh, so Scheffler is, is 20 points. Uh, Wise is three points. Okay. And so to make up that 17 point difference, all it takes is one for, for Scheffler to move down to fourth place and then Wise to have like one three birdie streak and three birdies more for the event which is like not ridiculous. That can easily fucking happen, you know? So again, I wouldn't pay too much attention to that either. Let's go to this 8K range. Brad. I might be more confused than when you started, Kenny. Probably, probably. <laughs> Brad, why don't you go first? 8K. Uh, yeah, 8K. You guys you guys uh, are getting ahead of yourselves with Colin Morikai. He's the one that really stands out in the 7K. But um, Hideki is actually a little interesting to me. Like, I kind of think he's one of those guys that can – maybe get the job done and you know he's got a uphill battle obviously starting at two under but um he's a guy i'm kind of interested in seeing what his number is but uh as far as the dfs lineups go i mean he seems like a pretty safe bet his ownership should be below 10 percent, probably under five i'm guessing who would that you've got yeah what do you think i don't know man i think 15 everything's really? elevated yeah i, I mean, think the, the, i think we talked about ranges but i mean here's the thing much. there was only two people Last year, that were single-digit owned. Only two out of the 30. Everybody else was 10% owned or more. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's but, right. But either way, Brad, I, I don't think you're He's going to be one. I, I think he's going to be under 20% owned. I think I think 10 to 15. I think I have him at 12 mm-hmm. right now. We'll see where yeah. it goes. But I've, I've got him around 12, 13. Hideki, 12% owned. I'm, I'm in. I'm with you, Brad. We're seeing the same shit. I mean, well, again, not this. to cut you guys off, but think about where he's at. Yeah. Brad had it pegged, but when you've got Neiman, Hovland, and then underneath you've got Connors, Morikawa, Spieth, Homa, and not everyone yeah. can get the owner. It'll be spaced out, but even if you want to put him to 15, I still think he's fine. Like, like yeah. I still think he's fine there. No problem whatsoever. Yeah, I like that play a lot. I like him and Neiman. And Neiman, you know, his iron game's been is well above average. Short game has improved leaps and bounds this year he can hit it a mile uh you know i, I like neiman and decky here tambo yeah i talked I talk neiman hovland already i think they're both interesting but uh fitz fitzpatrick is probably the best at the top even with ownership and it's interesting because usually he's the guy that gets the sneaky ownership at the end of the week like he ends up picking it up and i think he still will to some extent here but because of everything else around him i think there at least will be some that gets pulled away so it'll keep him in check so as of right now i like fitzpatrick and Decky with the call that, that Brad had uh, more than like Connors, more cow who will go into a second. I know he's not in this range, but again, I'm ra- I'd rather pick my guys up through the middle here. And then I've got probably some hard stands down below. We'll see how it shakes out as the week goes on. But like, I'm not as interested. I kind of think, like I said, it with more cow, it segues into the range anyway. So maybe I'll just start it, Kenny, but more cow for me is what I said earlier. I, I just think it naturally gets forgiven. People don't care. They look at everything, but the 10, it was two holes. Right. It, was too it just gets thrown away and it, it, it's written off and that's fine. The guy, the guy looks like he's playing better golf over the last two weeks besides that. But the point is when you look and factor that in at 7,900 best buy pricing, like I always talk about, they put them at like sort of the perfect number there. 
And what does he get? You know, he gets another 15 to 20% ownership, maybe more, who knows? But, but I think that's a fair range to put on him. And then I start to like the guys above and below a lot better. So that's my take on him. Um, Spieth, who you mentioned earlier, same sort of feeling, to be honest. I, I actually like a little bit of a different angle here. I, I like sticking with the guys that are hot and it'll feel like a fish conversation. But I had this talk with my guy, uh, Degenerate75 last night, does a podcast there. He had me on as a guest, so I appreciate that. But he, he, him and I were talking about this in showdown, Kenny, like in round four, for example, or even round two, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, fade the leaders has become a thing in showdown where you just fade the leaders, no matter what Wyndham Clark shot 600 today, there's no way he does it tomorrow, fade him. What ends up happening though, is I think it goes too far the other way. So now everyone said, I'm going to fade him because he's going to be 30% in round two showdown. And I'll, I'll relate it in a second. But what ends up happening is he comes in at like 14% because everyone decided to do the same angle. And now he's actually not over-owned to what you thought it was going to be. So I've seen some really sharp players that are still ad adapting and are still willing to use a guy like that. And the reason I'm bringing it up here is because I think everyone with Stallings and with Straka, they can't do it again, right? There's no way, even though Straka, even though Stallings took a week off, he missed a cut and then came back and crushed last week. But I just think for where they're priced, where they are on the leaderboard and the public sentiment of, I can just avoid them because they're terrible scrubs that have just been getting lucky or making a lot of putts or whatever, ends up leaving them a little bit under-owned. Like if they're the guys that end up at 15% or 12%, I actually think that's lower owned than they should be for what their upside is at this price, where they already are on the board. All of that is more where I would consider it than in some of the spots up top where they're all studs. They all can go up, down in your Cantlay example against Xander those other years. Go ahead. Well, if you think about Sepp, I mean, he came in second at the FedEx St. Jude, which you were at, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, Joys of Fairways. East Lake has Joys of Fairways. Uh, Bermuda Greens. East Lake has Bermuda Greens. And it's a tough course that's not a birdie fest that you have to sort of grind out. This is a tough course that's not a birdie fest that you have to grind out. I mean, just two weeks ago, he played basically the same course and came in second place mm -hmm. in a playoff event with a field probably stronger than this. I, I, yeah, I mean, Scott, Scott Stallings has been playing out of his mind. It's hard not to, not to go with him. If he's like 20 plus percent protected on, then maybe I, I go to, right. to SEP instead, but if he's 15% owned, which will be one of the top 10 lowest owned golfers in this field, if he's 15% owned, ah, it sounds like a good play to me. What about you? You just, you sticking with more cow? How are you going to the seven K range, Brad? No, I like Sep too. I, I'm trying to figure out he's just a value, right? I mean, he's he's a good golfer at minus four right now. I feel like that's worth something. I can't quite figure out why he's priced down so much with uh, with the recent success he's had, obviously. Is this his first uh, tournament of champions? And does that matter to you guys? I, I think it is. I don't, yeah, that doesn't really yeah. bother me that much, but. Yeah, I mentioned it earlier, like the, the it's just a, a little nugget just to say, but I mean, it was in the, the finals against Sam Burns at the 2015 East. Like that has nothing to do with right now. It's years ago, right. just to say, at least he's seen the course in the past, but definitely playing some better golf. The guy was incredible down the stretch. I, I do wonder maybe if I'm just underrating the fact right now that others will think like this and say he is a good value at 7,200. I, I guess, Brad, let, let, let you keep it going here. It's not like the 7K range is very big. In the 6K range, do you see anyone, Brad, that could pull away from Straka? I definitely think this. Let me just say one more thing right quick. I think Straka would have higher ownership than Stallings. 
I think people would see it as like Stallings just did it this past weekend, but that's where people are quicker to move away. Even though he didn't win, like if he had a one, like it feels like nobody would have played him, but the, the way it goes sort of opposite effect, but I don't know. Straka feels like a good value on paper. Maybe others see that as well. What do you think, Brad? So I am actually going to pivot down to Billy Horschel at 6,900. I think he's, he's kind of one of those guys that I think maybe has the skill set to go on a, a hard run. I mean, he's, he'll be the lowest on the CK range, right? I would think. Yeah, and, and he's 35 to one without the strokes. He's good. He's one. I'm going to, I'm going to bring one out of the bag here. I'm going to put some cheeseburger money on that guy at 35 to one oh, without the nice. strokes. What yeah, do you guys nice. think about that? I got the cheeseburger money. The cheeseburger money uh, is what that. I'm getting I excited that. about. I, I um, somewhat disagree with Kenny on the ownership factor here. I think you you just said it, Brad, with those odds. I, I think that matters to people, right? And so Billy KH? Marshall, KH is going to be the lowest 6K? I, I don't. What about Thigala? 6,700. I don't know. People just love playing Thigala. Yeah, po- post. But let's talk about this. Let's talk about this 5 and 6K range. The chalk is going to be Aaron Wise. And For Adam sure. Scott, oh, yeah. do you play these two guys? They're going to be twenty three percent out or more. What do about you play Harvard? Adam Scott or Aaron Wise? I, I'd play Adam Scott over Aaron Wise. Aaron Wise is is uh, like we Aaron Wise is playing much better cash golf. games. He's yeah, fifty four hundred bucks. Yeah, he, he's you know capable of scoring like crazy, making birdies, all these factors. Just you you well, know the ownership's coming with him. So good recently. He's, he's playing so a lot better than And Scott. he's supposed to be a stud. Like he was supposed to be a stud his whole career. And now it yeah. seems like he's finally starting to figure it out. It just yeah. feels like it could maybe it's a breakout moment. I want I'd rather play out. I'd rather play Aaron Wise than Adam Scott. I, I'm only gonna play one of those two because they're gonna be the two chalkiest guys down here. You can't have 50% of your lineups with these two guys. It's just I don't I don't fuck with that. So um yeah, I, I'm gonna go wise here. Um, I like Horschel as a pivot from uh, from Scott. I like KH Lee as a pivot from Scott. You know, just because he came in fifth last week, you know, KH, low-key, hell of a season. Like, a bunch of good finishes, a win. Uh, and the guy can compete. Uh, I know it's TPC Lee, this ain't TPC, but, you know, I, I, I think he could do something here. I, I like him as a pivot off Adam Scott. Anyone else that we're focusing on in these range, guys? Brad? Brian Harmon's one of my favorite down here. He actually is a guy that I don't think many people will talk much about here coming into this week. He'll probably will be one of the single-digit known guys. Yeah, I mean, be. he's been he's been in the mix, though. I mean, he's had some top tens recently, and including one two weeks ago. I mean, he's he's not playing bad golf when you look at his his stats. They kind of line up really well for this course. Mm-hmm. He's got the Bermuda putting. He's got the green and regulations. He's got some pretty decent short game too for when he's missing greens, but generally speaking, I mean, at this price range, you're not really getting that much out of these guys. Brian Harmon looks like one of those guys that, you know, you see him shoot a couple rounds in the sixties. Yeah. I, I would say this just to chime in. Cause I, I agree with you. And actually Harmon is the guy I would pick out of those four, Scott, KH wise and Harmon. I like Harmon the best because he squeezed between them, right? He's, you know, KH is popular because of last week where he went, came T five, Scott, similar, wise, we just know. So at least Harmon will get squeezed some. But I will say, I think by the end of the week, you see Harmon get more ownership than you think. I think the guys that go overlooked here are quite simple. I think it's at the bottom. I think it's Poston and it's Hoagie. When you already have wise there to make it work, one of them will pick up a little bit of steam, maybe Hoagie, because the fact that instead of playing wise, some will go up, but others will go down. That's just natural. But I do think that's going to be the case. And then I, I think as much as people like Figala, 
when you have other stuff here, you know what, 10, 12, sure, not single digit, but I don't, I don't see him coming in like super high owned or anything. So I think that's something to consider as well. Um, just trying to think who else here, just going through the bottom. But one thing I was going to say, Kenny, just my final strategy piece is you could make some lineups, just cutting off everyone, take, take the whole 6k range out and below, just get rid of them all. Start with Straka Stallings or Homa and Morikawa speed. You're, you're going like. to be super unique. If you do yeah. that. And you're not, you're going up a couple thousand, but that's where your Scheffler becomes Willie Z. And you can still, you know what I mean? Or, or whatever it ends up being Scheffler to ROM and put money on the table. Like you can do some different stuff there. And, and even when people don't go wise, it's going to be typically to go to Scott Harmon, Lee, one of the guys at the very bottom, Horschel, all those guys that we just talked about. So I think that's a way that you could get a little bit different as well. Even if you want to just do it in some of your lineups, sort of what I always call building in sets, right? You could do, if you have a hundred lineups, you could do 30 this way, 30 that way, and 40 this way to the one that's your favorite and have three different build styles and mix it up that way. So that's another thing for this week too. Brad, I'll ask you this, another question for you. If you're building 150 lineups this week, playing the quarter arcade, you talked about playing it back in the day, a bunch, just absolutely destroying it. How many guys, or what's your stance on a field of 30 guys? What, what do you <laughs> think you do here? Yeah. You don't have to give me exact. I'm just trying to think like, what's the type of strategy or approach that you'll take? Cause some play all 30, some play like 15 or 18 and go super tight. And then others play 23, 24 and just get a mixture throughout. What, what's your take on player pool size for this tournament? Yeah. Wow. That's a great question that I hadn't thought about coming into this. I'll be honest with you. I haven't played a whole lot of D, uh, DFS and I definitely have not been multi-entering when right. I've been playing, but I would say um, if I had to pick, I would probably be start by crossing several of the high owned guys off the list. What, what I'm doing here when I'm going through my player pool is I'm asking myself, is this person worth the ownership? <clears throat> and right. most of the time, those top guys, you know, you start looking at the top owned guys, you can almost start to just cross them off from top to bottom in this small of a player pool. So really what I would say is pick whatever size player pool you want avoid those top guys and really look for an approach in your lineups. So yeah, that means have a conviction in your lineup. Don't make a lineup by just picking guys or picking guys for a specific reason. Look for players that are going to work well together in a lineup. And that means statistically speaking or otherwise speaking. Um, I like to look at things like around the green. If the tournament is going to be a short game tournament, not many people are going to pick that around the green stat as one to look at this week. So think about building your lineups with guys that all are good in their short game. Um, something like that is the kind of approach you should be thinking about. That's the Ben Raza approach, right? Yeah. Yeah. He does, he does that for sure. Building sort of stat stacks, which is awesome because in every other sport in DFS, not every, but for the most part, there's a way to stack, right? You can stack in a certain way, even, even other sports that don't really have stacking, have at least some sort of strategy to them. Like NASCAR, you're playing certain amount of dominators mixed with the placement, uh, different differential, things like that, where you actually have an angle that you can take MMA. You make sure no one is fighting against each other in the tournaments. And then you might play, if everyone's playing this favorite, you might play that underdog and get the underdog up top instead, like, or the, the lower owned guy, I should say up top and just different strategy pieces. So for golf, I think that's a great way to go about it. I think you laid it out perfectly, Brad, where you can definitely do something like that this week. And that's how you find yourself on a contrarian roster build, where again, going back to like last year, that 49.8K only duped twice. 
it didn't matter because they found something that was the field wasn't doing in a different construction or however they got there. So I, I love that call for sure. All right. Bets, Brad, you got me? I do. Yeah, actually, I didn't realize you guys went through these at the end. I was almost just shouting them out while I was going. Um, one of the guys I like to bet is actually Tony Finau. And part of that is because I don't want to play him in DFS. Um, he's actually got a decent number with and without the strokes. So you can kind of take him how you like him. Um, and then JT, I have 22 to one with the strokes. And then uh, Colin Morikawa, I think I mentioned um, 28 to one without the strokes. The only long shot is Billy, Billy Horschel without the strokes, 35 to one. Yeah, about like it. Yeah. I only bet to win outright. So with the starting strokes, so I got two Rom at 16 and then JT at 25. I think again, if you're talking guys that can find their way and actually do it, you, you gave the Xander example earlier, Kenny, we've referenced it a couple times, literally got there on day one. Like you can find guys that can get there by the end of four days, Rom and JT are those guys for me. So I definitely like them at their numbers. Three bets for me, all without starting strokes. Xander, eight to one. I think he wins. Uh, I bet Xander, eight to one. Neiman, 35 to one. Decky, 65 to one. I like, I like that Decky one. Also, to ask you this, is this your final shot? It is. I mean, it's the last event, but it, you didn't get there last week, right? Your, no, your no. goal, I think you had six outrights you wanted to hit on the season. You're at five. Yeah, no, it was eight was my goal. Six is just average, and I'd like to be average. And you're so at yes, five. That's what it was. I'm yes, at five. So I need, five. I, need, I, need, I need one more. I need one more. I need one more. I knew it as soon as you said the Xander bet. I knew it as soon as you said the Xander bet. There's a Xander bet, the eight to one. I had to take him. I took him last week, like 12 to one. I think he wins one of these two weeks, and he didn't win last week. So I'm taking him this week. All right. Anything else? Brad, it was great having you on. I miss you, buddy. Uh, anytime you want to yeah. come back on the podcast, you're more than welcome. I know the fans still love you. They ask about you all the time. Yeah. Really glad you're on. Happy you're sober. I'm really glad that you got your life is going well. Everything's going good. So anything you want to say to the, the DJ Nation before we sign off? Uh, just miss the hell out of you guys. Love you guys. Definitely uh, don't necessarily need to plug anything anymore since I'm not a tout, but I really appreciate you guys having me on. It was really fun coming out of the woodwork here and, uh, you know, peace and happiness to the DJ Nation. Love you guys. Yep. You can find uh, me on. You, oh, got, you guys can drag me back out at some point. Okay. Just let me know. We will. We'll take you back out. We will. We will. All definitely. Right. All right. You can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. You can find my article on gupscorner.com. Uh, it should be out later tonight. Um, and then make sure check out prize picks. It's actually the shit. I played it for the first time for the uh, commander's preseason game. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it made, made the yeah. game exciting. Uh, I hit two of my three parlay and freaking that one guy. I forget his name for Kansas City. Couldn't catch a pass and he screwed me. But still, it was fun. It'll be fun. We're going to be doing it every week for this season. Tamara. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. Can't say enough about it. Obviously, when we look to partner with someone, it's for something that we believe in and play on. I've been playing on it forever. Mayo and I were doing it on the Wednesday live show chat. We had segments on it throughout the season because he's already been partnered with them. So I love that. But when it gets here for golf, there's, there is some incredible opportunities, certain weeks where they just give you stuff and there's bad numbers. And we do this Monday nights so we can get it in the sense it's like they're, it's not, they're not trying to give away free money, but maybe it's a, a marketing thing. We're trying to all get on the same page and take a little bit of advantage. So we're going to find the winners for you guys throughout the season. Excited about that. couple quick notes, Kenny, before we get out of here. Back for the Fortinet Championship on September 12th. So that's when you guys will have us back here 
before the start of the swing season. Three kick- weeks off, baby. Yeah, it's not long. It's not long, but that's what it's I was going to say. It's twice as long as the last few years. And eventually it'll be less, it sounds like. We'll see what we get to, uh, you know, 2024 or whatever it ends up being. But we got a long ways to go until then. We're excited to be here. We're excited you guys are along for the ride with us. You can find me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. If you need to get that fix in the meantime, lots of football coming up. I'm going to be flipping it over. Uh, we're going to have the football tidbits for free on Twitter. You're going to see those. Going to have a lot of stuff coming out over at rumpiersports.com. If you guys haven't checked that out yet, do so now. NFL 15 is the code. It's going to end shortly. So hop on. It's all sports, one price. And that's the best deal we've ever had. It's for lifetime and it includes Saber Sim. And if you want all the same stuff that we're doing as far as roster construction, ownership, exposures, building out lineups, stacks, everything for NFL in the meantime, while we wait to get back to this golf season, you not only get that, but then you get golf when it comes back as well. So check us out there on Twitter again at Totag and Tambo. All right, DJ Nation. Final event of the season. $18 million up for grab for first place. Let's win some motherfucking money. DJ Nation and sip on some scissor. I've been getting dirty money, Jordan Belfer. Second penny stocks while I'm flipping these birds. Sipping on Ciroc, trip them up with the words. I done popped the molly. 